You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome back to the Chris and Joe Show, presented to you by SB Nation and Big Blue View. I'm Joe DeLeon, joined by Chris Flum, and we are continuing our NFL Draft coverage as the NFL Draft is slowly getting closer and closer as it is coming up at the very end of April, starting on April 23rd. Expect to see a virtual draft, which is what we are hearing with some cutaways from created content from EA Sports going to be a very unique thing that we're probably never going to see again and the only time that we're going to see it this year. But today on today's show, we are going to be giving you a look into some day three sleepers and undrafted free agents, guys that are going to go fall outside of round three or later that will likely be players that maybe you go, who who the heck is that? Why did the Giants take him? Or Maybe just along the lines of, oh, he fell a little far, he ended up getting drafted late, or he went undrafted. And these guys that we're talking about have potential to turn into very good contributors and starters if they're given the right amount of time, the right situation to to develop. They have good ceilings, but also some of these guys have pretty low floors. So we've got a a good list of seven players that we're going to discuss here today. And why don't we get ourselves started with a guy that we've talked about a number of times, that being James Robinson, running back from Illinois State, the FCS product, one of many on this list. 5'9", 219, not a very tall running back, not a very big guy, not a big burner either as he ran a 4'6 at the combine, but he had a 40-inch vertical to show off that explosiveness and a 7.033 come to show that shiftiness, the quick feet that he has, and as well as the ability he has to play the running back position at a high level. So last year, he rushed for 1,899 yards and 18 touchdowns. He had two games throughout the FCS playoffs where he had 200 yards rushing. He took over games for Illinois State when their starting quarterback went down. But the only big negative that comes with Robinson is the fact that he had 364 carries last year alone. That's a ton of of wear and tear for a rookie running back already coming into the league. Yeah, it really is. You know, the his height doesn't bother me. In in fact, I kind of like shorter running backs as long as they've got some thickness to them. It makes it easier for them to hide behind offensive linemen. Lower center of gravity makes cutting and keeping their balance through contact easier. So, I would actually almost look at him being five nine as an asset, especially when you've got that kind of lower body explosiveness you need to have a 40 inch vertical and he has definitely been a productive back i think before the or as the draft process was get was kind of kicking into gear i looked at him and said hey you know maybe this guy could be another david johnson you know a small school back who comes out and is just has this 
really varied skill set and kind of takes the league by storm and really produces. That hasn't really happened. And I think he does kind of fit the definition of a sleeper because he has the skill set to be productive, but he just isn't getting as much buzz as you would expect. And I'm with you. The number of carries is, that's definitely a red flag. That's definitely scary. Also, he did have a bit of a fumbling problem, which he's going to have to work on. I think he had uh, 12 fumbles, over four years and eight of them were lost. So that that's something that ball security is going to be something he has to work on. But he does feel like a player who could come out of nowhere and have people go, who? And then all of a sudden, yeah, this kid can play. The thing with the fumbling issue, it just it sucks to see with guys that have so much volume in touches that their fumble numbers seem a bit inflated because he was a primary focus for that Illinois State offense for multiple seasons. He has a ton of production, but at the same time, because he's touching the ball so much, he's going to fumble the ball more. Not, I'm not trying to, to provide an excuse for him, but if you think about the percentages percentages of it, there's more of a likelihood that he does fumble. If you, if you look at uh, Jonathan Taylor, right now he also has a high fumble rate because of the amount of times he touched the ball, but it still is something that he needs to work on overall though, from watching Robinson in the playoffs and also during the regular season, you can see why he's able to take over games. He can take the rock for a ton of carries in games. He can run the ball up the middle. He can also be shifty. He's got good vision. There's a reason why he had multiple 150 plus yard games during his final season with the Redbirds. He's that good of a running back. He can produce that kind of production. And I honestly consider a situation to that of David Johnson a few years ago. Now, Johnson is significantly bigger coming out of UNI, but he was an FCS prospect. Nobody really knew who he was or what he was going to do. He, he was drafted on day three, but he was very good and productive at UNI. And then he comes into the league, starts to get touches at the end of his rookie year, and then eventually explodes for multiple seasons until he gets paid. And then he's had some injury issues. But Johnson compares in the sense that I think Robinson will be a bit of a late bloomer for an NFL team. Once he gets those opportunities to get the ball and get the rock and take over, he's going to explode or he'll at least be a very good weapon for a team that uses him in the right way in the receiving game, uh, you know, in spot situations on third downs, he has that kind of skill set to be a contributor. Next player that we have is somebody who is another small schooler. That is Ben Barch, guard slash offensive tackle from St. John's, 66309. Big, tall, athletic guy that was formerly a tight end when he was first recruited to go to St. John's, but played left tackle in 2019 for the Johnnies. He was actually a guy we wound up having some discussion about when we were working on our consensus position rankings. Most people have him listed as an offensive tackle because that's where he played, former tight end. Yeah, he's got the athleticism. But we kind of came to the conclusion that maybe he might be best over in guard. And you know, he he doesn't quite have the long arms you like to see from a tackle. And he does, however, have that kind of nasty mauler's demeanor that you, know, you like to see in, a, in an offensive tackle, but is pretty much mandatory inside a guard. So having an athletic guard, especially for a, an offensive system that uses uh, pin and pull blocking, zone blocking, that is important. And he could be really good in that position. I think the big reason why we have Barch on here as a, as a sleeper 
is specifically because he's coming from the Division II level. He's coming from a, a very tiny program. He and his quarterback are the only two guys that are coming out of that program that have some notoriety and buzz for the NFL. But the thing with Barch that makes him an intriguing option is because of that athleticism coming from the tight end position. We did not get to see him test at the NFL Combine because he chose not to participate. However, you can see that athletic makeup of a tight end in games when he's playing at left tackle. And it's hard to gauge a true evaluation on Barch because he was going up against really tiny, undersized defensive ends. He was burying kids and shoving them into the ground and tossing them. There were a number of plays that I pulled up and I even tweeted out a video because I thought it was so entertaining to see him doing this to all these really tiny defensive ends at the Division II level. He held his own at the Senior Bowl and he looked pretty good. That was the first indication of a a positive step forward that you want to see how they handle themselves against the big boys, as Nick Filato has said multiple times. And I think Barch overall, though, you just you have that athletic mold and that, that athletic makeup. And I think most coaches will would, would get excited about a guy that has a very strong athletic build because if you have a guy that's less athletic that maybe is a little bit better than Barch or someone like Barch, they'd rather take that athletic player because they can at least mold and work with him. I don't know if you saw this or not, Chris, but there was uh, on on social media, I think it was Daniel Jeremiah put out some um, qualifications for various position groups when scouting them. And one of the, uh, that Bill Belichick has when scouting them. And one of the notes that he put is you can have a dumber guy that it's, that is athletic and you can work with him is, is the essential quote that it was because he might not be as good. He might not be as talented uh, or might not show as much on film, but if he's athletic and you can work with him and improve him, you can turn him into a strong product. Yeah. And that is really common, especially in the later rounds that we're talking about today. Teams will use those fifth, sixth, seventh round picks to secure guys who they view as developmental guys who they've got the raw materials they've got the tools they just don't necessarily know how to use them yet and they might be guys they might not have an exactly draftable start be a contributor right away grade on but they also don't want to take a chance on them deciding to go somewhere else in undrafted free agency. So they'll use these later round picks to more or less stake a claim and make sure they get these guys that their coaches, the coaches are always very, very confident in their ability to teach and develop players. You don't get to get to the NFL level if you don't have a lot of self-confidence. They will see these guys and they will want to work with them. Yes, yeah, certainly. They, everyone feels that they can always mold and correct and fix various players that they can turn into the guy that they want. Most coaches are always very confident in their ability to do so. Our next player is another offensive lineman that is going to project inside that was an outside tackle. That is Danny Pinter, who is one of the top performers at the NFL Combine. Six foot four, three oh six with that size really does project him as a guard. He ran a four nine one forty and had a four six two short shuttle. That's pretty good movement skills, and it makes a ton of sense because he was previously a tight end at Ball State, and he played and was a starter for multiple games at tight end before they moved him to right tackle, and he looked really, really good after making that transition to tackle. And he'll make another transition to another position into the interior, making him a really interesting option, very similar to that of Ben Barch being a former tight end. Yeah, and I would say a guard 
or a tight end to guard is not a it's not a transition you see all that often and this is a case where it could really work out and it could be a really interesting fit with his athleticism yet bringing up his combine performance he would be in the 99th percentile of all guards ever in terms of 40 yard dash 91st percentile in broad jump 75th in short shuttle and i really do think his arm length not even 32 inches that is going to get him moved to guard there are a lot of teams that have pretty pretty strict lower thresholds for arm length for offensive tackles and if you don't have at least 33 inch arms those teams are just not going to look at you as a tackle so that probably is where pinter's future is but that athleticism that makes him a very intriguing prospect especially on day three and especially for a team that likes to have pulling guards because there's a guy who can get out he can move well get in front of a play and position himself to block you know a linebacker or a defensive back and that's pretty much always a win for the offensive line certainly always a win for them having that type of uh skill set to work with our final final player that is our last offensive sleeper is gabriel davis wide receiver from central florida very productive over the last two years, 125 receptions, 16 yards per catch, and 19 touchdowns. He's 6'2", 216, and he ran a 4-5-4-40, as well as a 10-4 broad jump. So explosiveness, and he's honestly a guy that's probably going to get a little bit buried by how strong and top-heavy this, uh, it, well, not top-heavy, te- top heavy, but how deep this receiver class is, how many guys there are, there are going to be that are probably going to get drafted ahead of him, even though he has potential to end up playing better than them. Yeah, yeah. playing for UCF, he isn't going to get the national recognition that like the receivers who played at Alabama, LSU, Ohio State, you know, the big football factories. Also, he has had to contend with just inconsistent quarterback play you know last year Mackenzie Milton who was a draft crush of Dan Pizzuta's when he when he was writing for Big Blue View Milton had that really horrific knee injury and he was playing great when that happened and the fact that Davis was able to maintain his production and actually get even more productive his final season at Central Florida I think that does speak to his ability as a receiver you know he obviously has things that need to be ironed out he doesn't have a very varied route tree he could stand to be more consistent in the things he does but the routes he runs i think he runs them pretty well he does show some savvy in the running of his routes you know varying tempos pressing the stem into defensive backs getting getting them to interfere with him to create hidden yardage through penalties and he does have pretty strong hands to snag the ball and hold on to it so he definitely has some tools that a team is going to want to work with and already a pretty good foundation in in production so i was able to find the quote that i was looking for that was published on a report uh, done by bill belichick back in 1991 where he highlighted what he likes to look for in various players and i just wanted to have the correct quote it didn't seem like I was uh, messing anything up, but the quote from the the scouting report guidelines for offensive line is, can use a slightly dumber guy who is a good athlete. So that, that really does go in line with what we were talking about, that 
teams will take these guys that are athletic at the offensive line position and try and mold them. If you're going to be taking a flyer on a guy, you want to have the tools to work with where if you if your coaches do their job, which is what you pay them for, you have a guy who ultimately has the tools that once he knows how to use them, he can outplay his draft slot. The hope and the goal is to maybe get a guy in the fourth or fifth round, but after a little bit of coaching, is able to play like a second or first rounder. That's something the Patriots have done exceptionally well. A big part of that is having Dante Scarnecchia, who is kind of a cheat code for the NFL. And something the Green Bay Packers have done very well. You know, David Bakhtiari might be the best left tackle in the NFL. And he was a fourth or fifth rounder, if I remember correctly. But having those athletic tools, if you can coach the guy up, it could pay off really, really well on the field. We've got three defensive players on our sleeper list. We're going to get to them very shortly. But before we do, we're going to take a short commercial break. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. First defensive sleeper is someone who I have talked very highly of having covered him at the FCS level this past season, a guy that was so productive at North Dakota State, and hopefully he can translate that success to the next level. That is Derek Tuska, defensive end from the Bison of North Dakota State, six foot four, two fifty one, had a hell of a combine, four seven nine forty. He had a six eight seven three comb. That was faster than James Robinson, who is a very shifty player, and had a four three four short shuttle. A lot of short area quickness, which is a huge positive for a defensive end that they can move their feet, they can redirect. They're athletic, they're flexible. All of that stuff is a huge positive. It also helps when you have immense production at the NFL or at the college level during your final season. He had 19 tackles for loss, 13 and a half sacks, and 48 tackles. Tuska has a lot of good things going for him, but for some reason is still in the back end of this year's draft in terms of where he's going to be taken. And part of that probably is playing at the FCS level. You know, we've mentioned it before. North Dakota State is pretty much the Alabama of the FCS. They just win a lot and win consistently just from year to year they are always kind of the final boss for the fcs tournament and it isn't surprising that tuska 
comes from that school and is that productive? And one of the things teams consistently look for from FCS players is productivity. If you can play well at the FCS level, that's great. But what they want to see is if you can dominate that level. Because if you are playing at the NFL level, you are going to be among the best FBS players, the best players from Alabama, the best players from LSU, the best players from Ohio State. You have to absolutely dominate at the FCS level to be considered at the same level as the top guys from the big schools. It really is tough to take a flyer on a guy that has traits but doesn't hit that production home at the smaller school level. FCS products always get a little bit of a downgrade, including some of these Division II guys, but Tuska has all those things working for him, making him a really interesting option for a day three pick at defensive end. Another day three option, Amik Robertson, cornerback from LA Tech, and his biggest knock on him is his size. He has a ton of production, had 60 tackles, five picks, and 16 passes defended, which is crazy how many balls he was knocking down. But like I said, his size is really hurting him. Five foot eight, 187. And that's the reoccurring big thing that is really knocking him. When you're that short, it really typecasts you in various specific spots as a corner because if you're only five foot eight, you can't go out there and really cover Julio Jones, who's six six. You're going to have a lot of trouble. If you try to go out there and cover Mike Evans, who's 6'5", you're not going to be able to do that easily. You're going to have to shift a guy like that around. But he was very, very productive and looked really, really good in college, making him such an oddity at his position. If he were a little bit taller, I think we'd be talking about him a lot higher, but because he's under five foot ten and even under five foot nine, he probably projects a little bit more as a nickel or a slot corner. Yeah, but that isn't necessarily a bad thing for the Giants' perspective. They need a slot corner. Grant Haley hasn't really worked out there. Corey Ballantyne is just not a slot corner. Sam Beal hasn't really shown much upside in the slot either. And the slot is an increasingly important position. It is basically a starting position, even though it is technically considered a sub-package position. You need a good slot corner. And having a guy like Amik Robertson, who has all of that production, that could be a good late round or maybe even undrafted find if you can bring him in, have him transition into that slot where you're probably not going to be in press man situations all that often, if ever. And you know his height won't really work against him in those positions because most slot receivers are going to be on the shorter side. There are some big slots. Uh, The Philadelphia Eagles use them occasionally. Justin Jefferson was a big slot for LSU this past year. But for the most part, part, slot receivers are going to be in that six foot and under range and a 5'8 receiver can cover them. I really wish he had worked out at the combine, but there's also a lot of guys this year who just decided to not work out at the combine and wait for their pro days, which that didn't really work out in this year. So it would have been nice to see what his 40 time was, what his vertical is, what his three cone and short shuttle were. But right now we're just going to have to trust the tape and he's got good tape. He's got really good production. 
it certainly does hurt him that he didn't test because if he had some really good athletic numbers to go along with his tape, it would have really helped him. And I'm sure he was banking on having his pro day and nobody could have predicted what had happened. But Robertson is just such an oddity because, like I said, of his size. And he's going to have to outwork the stigma of being a shorter corner. I think that his ceiling can be very high and he's going to outperform expectations because he can make that transition and he'll be able to be productive as a slot corner. Our last player is another defensive end who racked up a ton of stats during this past season. That is Alex Highsmith defensive end from UNC Charlotte, six foot three, 248, similar size to Derek Tuska. Ran a 4.740 and had a 4.31 short shuttle. Pretty good movement skills for this defensive end, Alex Highsmith. His production, though, was one of the best in the country in 2019. Had 15 sacks and a whopping 21.5 tackles for loss. He's a technician. He's pretty technically sound. He looked pretty good in the game against Clemson. However, when you're coming from UNC Charlotte, that is obviously going to hurt you. He's not the biggest defensive end. And we were talking before the show with a guy like Highsmith who has all of this production in their final year of college. He can either turn out to be someone like Nate Orchard, who everyone said was going to be a sleeper and then not do, do anything. He didn't He didn't really do much in his uh, in the past few years in the NFL, especially when he went to the Cleveland Browns. Or he could be highly productive and that stuff could translate. Yeah, that is obviously a concern. Coming from a school, small school, having a ton of production, but most of it really late in his career, you just don't really know what you're getting. I will say, though, you could see his production steadily increase from year to year. And Lance Zerline actually tweeted out photos of Highsmith from his when he first got to Charlotte to the end of his college career. And it was almost funny to read through the responses to it and how many people were claiming that he he had to be on steroids because, you know, coming out of high school, just skinny kid, and you could just basically see him consistently adding on muscle mass each year until he got to be just under 250 pounds. Personally, I think that is just the development of a young man from age 18 to 22 with good nutrition and steady work in the weight room. And I think that probably has a lot to do with how his production improved from year to year. He could be set to really play his best football in the NFL because it just took, he wasn't, he wasn't a grown man coming out of high school like guys like Clowney or Miles Garrett were, where you just look at them and they look like they were cooked up in a lab somewhere. He really had to work and develop himself, develop his body. And he could be a case where some lucky NFL team reaps all the benefits. It's typically the lazy response when people do say that, where they're just like, oh, he's clearly using steroids. He got that big that quickly. And it, you know, people said that about Clay Matthews and you know, J.J. Watt a little bit because of how thin they were in their early years at their prospective colleges. But I think with the case with Highsmith and a lot of these small school guys that, that pop up off of radars, Adam Troutman's a guy like that. Jeremy Chin's a guy like that, that were late developers that were shorter in their senior years of high school, did not have a lot of recruitment. 
uh, weren't as heavy and they just kept putting in that work and they continue to grow. Not everyone blooms at the same time. People hit growth spurts really, really late. And I think Highsmith could be one of those guys that hit that late growth spurt and he's ready to shine if he gets the right opportunity to do so. That's going to be it for today's show. Thank you for tuning in and listening in to our sleepers for the NFL draft. Be sure to rate and subscribe wherever you are listening to us, folks. And also follow us on social media at Big Blue View. You can follow me at Joe DeLeon. And you can follow Chris at Raptor MKII. We've got another NFL draft mailbag coming to you at the end of the week, like we typically do on Fridays. If you have any NFL draft questions, you want to know about a certain prospect, guys that you want to know more about, guys that you don't even know about that you want us to tell you about, feel free to send us your questions through our Facebook page or through our personal Twitters. We will 100% get back to you, take those questions and answer them as long as we haven't previously answered them before. Stick around for Friday and be sure to send us your questions for the mailbag. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.